Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from On Shamit Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Miketz, Joseph, Hanukkah, and the limits of assimilation. So are you a latke person or a jelly donut person, a sufganiyot person? I guess I'd go for latkes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not crazy about either of them, to be honest. Like I, I go, I'll just eat a latke or two, and I'm good. And I'm good. I don't. I don't love that stuff. First of all, I would vote for latkes in a second. But so okay, let's carry this out. So is it uh, applesauce or sour cream? Applesauce. Yeah, applesauce for me too. I have seen. I don't know if you've seen this in some Jewish delis. They have like sandwiches that are latkes with. Um, corned beef in the middle. Oh, oh, that could be good actually. It's like a yeah. what do you call that? Like a um, in the diner, what do they call that when you get the the whole big mush up of potatoes and uh, those? Oh, I'm blanking on the word for it. Anyway, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, sort of like a heart attack on a plate, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like it's the the Jewish version of the Last Supper, I guess. Well, at least you're not. At least it's not a donut involved too. You could do both. You could you could oh, mix it all right. up together. Like a turducken. Okay. Donut and the yeah, latke. You are on fire. You are on the name for that. You are. You're just like a... Corned beef hash. That's what I was trying to think of, the corned beef hash. That's what it Ooh, boy. Me of. Okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> you want to start over? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. No, let's keep going. Oh, keep going? Okay. All right. So this is Shabbat Hanukkah. This is the... Uh, portion of Miketz, which always falls uh, during Hanukkah. And I think it has a lot to say to us about Hanukkah, because what we're watching is the Joseph cycle. Joseph is released from prison because of his ability to uh, interpret dreams. He finds himself not only in the court of Pharaoh, but he interprets Pharaoh's dreams in such a way that Pharaoh puts him in charge, basically, of the economy. Of, of Egypt. And Joseph, who was sort of this forgotten, let's call him an Ivri, because uh, we, we, there's no such thing as a Jew at the time, but he was other, certainly in Egyptian society. Now he's second in command only to Pharaoh. And what we watch is Joseph simply take this identity on he becomes that person. He marries the daughter of the priest of On. And so this is high society, but it's also he's accepting, at least in his household, a person of a different religion in a, in a very significant way. So Joseph becomes, in a sense, the first assimilated Jew. He's the first Jew of the diaspora, and he also takes on the trappings of assimilation. And so it makes him sort of an interesting figure to study, especially uh, during Hanukkah, which we'll come to in a minute. But do you any thoughts about that? Any thoughts about Joseph as the assimilationist? Well, it's so interesting. You know, what makes him an assimilationist? Is he trying to ignore his heritage and his and to fit in and to blend in? Or is it happening regardless of his intent, intentions, I wonder? I'm guessing all of us have been in a situation where we felt like we were not maybe necessarily disguising, but uh, allowing ourselves to go unrecognized as Jews, right? Have you, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, maybe especially as, as a younger person, that like you didn't know if people knew whether you were Jewish and that 
you know, you had mixed feelings about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this d desire to blend in, to be part of something, to not stick out, to not be other, mm -hmm. I think is a natural phenomenon. So sure. Yeah, I can remember when I moved to the South for the first time and feeling like, wow, there's definitely not a whole lot of Jews here. Um, I'm just going to see what happens. And if people didn't, you know, ask me, I wasn't necessarily volunteering it right away. Right. And so this becomes the theme for Joseph. Joseph is the Egyptian official. And yet it all comes to a stop because his brothers show up in front of him. And he hides his identity from his brothers. But eventually it's uncovered. This facade, this masquerade that Joseph is going through is revealed. And what's interesting about Joseph is that he does acknowledge that the dreams come from God, but he's awfully comfortable assimilating at the same time. So in a very real way, Joseph can't escape. Now, maybe what we haven't touched on is maybe Joseph is just angry. Why doesn't he call his father? Why doesn't when he rises, when he's out of the dungeon, why isn't the first call to Jacob and say to say, hey, dad, I'm alive. I don't know if you know what happened or what these brothers did to me. He doesn't do that. Now, some people think that he's trying to fulfill his dreams, but other people feel like he's just had it. He's just turning his back on that stuff, except that Joseph becomes, you know, the paradigm of Jewish history. When Jews want to assimilate, they find out that the society won't let them. Yeah. And that's part of the story, too. Yeah, I think sometimes we overlook the fact that assimilation happens in part because it's hard. You know, people are going through a hard time adjusting to their, their surroundings or they've been through a kind of a trauma. If you look at the Jews after the Holocaust who arrived in the United States or even earlier, you know, our grandparents and great grandparents, part of the reason you see assimilation happening is because it's hard to be someplace new and it's hard to be different. And you've, you're here in many cases because you've survived something traumatic. So it's, it's, it's natural to want to try to blend in, I guess, and to make things a little easier for yourself, or at least it's, that's how you perceive it at the beginning. Well, I think that's, that's for sure. I think there's just a natural desire to want to be part of something larger, to blend in. But I don't think we can lose sight of the fact that Judaism is designed as a religion to make you other. It's to make you different. Like there's other people that celebrated the Sabbath and gave that day to God, so to speak, to their God, or had these dietary laws. Even the clothing that they wear made them other. And let's not forget that Judaism, from the Torah's perspective, was designed to be observed in the land of Israel. It wasn't really designed as a diaspora religion. And so that also is an interesting piece of the story, is that we do take this religion that is monotheistic and is very ritualized to make Jews different than other people. Abraham is the one who separates himself out. We then go into the diaspora and sort of are trying to live this separate life within a larger construct. And so it's a very complicated issue. But Joseph, as the first Jew of the diaspora, is showing all of the challenges of that in a very interesting way, and I think in a very relevant way for throughout the ages. 
Yeah, what's interesting to me is that the tension is built into it. Um, as you said, you know, this was designed to make us separate, to make us stand out. And we, you know, have to deal with that every step of the way. Even if every Jew were in Israel, if we were all in the same place and we were in a um, in a place with no diversity of, of faith, then it would there would still be tensions, but it's just um, part of the struggle and, and maybe part of what forces us to really grapple with it and, and make it a, a part of our lives as opposed to just taking it for granted. Well, I think I think that's a double-edged sword because we can't lose sight of the fact that this is also a large piece of the Hanukkah story. And there, the Jews who are living in Israel are very attracted, in large part, the majority of the population, it would seem, to Hellenism. And that's what the Hanukkah story really revolves around. You know, the way that we tell the story to children is that Antiochus Epiphanes, who is this emperor, wants to the Jews to assimilate. Now, he has reasons all his own to unite his kingdom around one religion, around the Hellenistic ideals. That is very much who he is. The untold part of the story is that there are many Jews, especially living in the cities, that are desirous of exactly that. They want to assimilate. They are all for putting a Colosseum and to put the gymnasium in Jerusalem. They want to bring Greek culture in. It's the person who's living in the sticks in Modin, Mattathias and his sons, they're the ones who create this revolution against Hellenism, and they fight to push that out. But this is a Jewish story. How do we manage living in a larger world? How do we manage the forces that surround us? Can we remain separate, but part of the society? Those are the, those are the issues that are part, a part of the Jewish world to this very day. And this Hanukkah, I think Jews are going to be talking about the Jews of the diaspora in the backdrop of this Gaza war. They're going to be thinking a lot about their role. How well are Jews actually accepted in society? You know, are we really living that Annie Hall moment in the Woody Allen film when Woody Allen's sitting at the table at a holiday meal and all of the non-Jews sitting at the table are looking at him as if he's a chassid, you know? Right. And so is this really where we're at today? No, it's a great question. I think you're right. This year will be more poignant than most. And, you know, one of the irony or one of the ironies here is that, you know, Hanukkah has become in some ways a symbol of assimilation, that we dress it up to look more like Christmas than we would necessarily because it comes in December and we want our kids to have presents like the, like the, uh, the kids celebrating Christmas have. So... It's a, it's a great symbol of, uh, of the struggle over whether, you know, maintaining our identities. It is. And yet, this is an interesting issue. The whole mitzvah of Hanukkah is what we call pirsum hanes, the publicizing of a miracle. So in the early days of Hanukkah, going back thousands of years, Jews would light their oil lamps outside of their doors. Again, it's a different climate, so that when people passing by, they could celebrate the miracle of Hanukkah because they would see these lights each night. So that then became putting your Hanukkah in the window, right? That's also Pirsum Hanes. But the rabbis then are dealing with the question, what if you're living in a time of persecution or rising anti-Semitism, do you actually need to put your Hanukkah in your window? Aren't you inviting mayhem? into your life. That 
Is that the question today? If you have a college student, do you want them to put a Hanukkah in their window? Are we going to encourage that? Or, you know, to put Hanukkah decorations on their door, are they inviting a negative response? I think these are questions that I don't think anyone in our generation has really dealt with in this way as we are right now on this Hanukkah. No, I think it's a great question. And it's especially poignant this time of year. And um, I think we... You know, we clearly need to put our candles in the window more than ever, but it's never easy. It's, it's, it can be complicated. And at the end of the day, Jews come back. Jewish history has a way of waking us up and engaging us. Now, I don't want to give the impression that the Jews of America have walked away from Judaism. I actually don't believe that. I think that more Jews study in this country, study Torah in this country, there are more opportunities. But I think that the Jews of America are evolving and the forms that we measured a Jewish life by, maybe synagogue attendance, things of that nature, the, all of those things have evolved. You know, since in the post-COVID world, you know, the numbers of people watching our services have skyrocketed. But of course, many of them are watching online. So it's a very, very difficult issue, but the specter of anti-Semitism is very real, and I think Jews are dealing with it in all kinds of ways. And at the end of the day, what do we stand for? What does it mean to be a Jew? And can we be other? Can we be true to our Jewish values and live in the larger world? That was the question for Joseph. That's the question for the Maccabees, and I think that's the question for us today. Yeah, it feels very urgent at the moment, so I appreciate your framing it that way. Thank you, Jonathan. I wish you a happy Hanukkah, and enjoy your few latkes. <laughs> Thanks, Rabbi. Thanks, Rabbi.